Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 101st ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm great today, Cameron. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, uh, it's August now, and it's usually the time of year that I'm firing up uh, my NCAA football video game. Oh, yeah. Uh, for a while, for some reason, I thought I had NCAA 14. I actually have 12, uh, which is yeah, kind of yeah. sketchy. Uh, th- but every year when I turn it on, it's great. Uh, there's a few little things here and there, but this year is definitely the year where I, it might be my last because it's like shutting down between every game, <laughs> freezing up. It takes like from the time I turn on my Xbox to the time I actually start playing a game, it's like 10 minutes because everything loads so slowly. So... This might be the final year. I've almost like just kind of given up on it this year, but yeah, I've had the same experience when I, I actually do have NCAA football fourteen. Wow, uh, privileged. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I've talked about before on here how I have to. Yeah, like I hold my breath, uh, cross my fingers when uh, you know sometimes it'll give that camera angle where you're just like, are we going to move on to the next <laughs> yeah, play yeah. or are we going to be in this? I know exactly what you're talking uh, about. Like video game purgatory for eight minutes and then the game's gonna crash mm-hmm. yeah if, it, if it, it lasts like more than 10 or 12 seconds it's over sorry man sometimes i just get up and do something else and then like one out of 10 times it'll actually come back really wow and i actually figured something out what did i figure out i turn off my controller and then the xbox is like oh your controller is disconnected then i plug the controller back in and it sometimes that like gets it going wow that's genius yeah it happened by accident the first time and i was <laughs> like oh wow i figured out a trick uh kyle last week uh we had our 100th episode so we had a big old party celebration quite the bash that was and uh so if you missed that one go back and check it out um just giving everybody something to look forward to for next week uh producer cameron and i are going to be out of town so kyle's going to do the podcast solo just R- kidding. Ryan Rosillo style. Yeah. Uh, just kidding. Uh, Kyle can do that if he wants. He might have to do the news segment by himself. But we recorded another interview, and we're going to slide it into next week's episode. And we really think you're going to enjoy that one. It was a blast to record. Answered a lot of uh, pretty in-depth questions about uh, Mizzou, a-, a Mizzou sport from with some insider insider knowledge that was b- bestowed upon us. So be looking for that next week. This week, we have a little bit of news, and then we're going to talk about basketball recruiting. We're going to look at the 2020 class and uh, compare the class to our predictions from a year ago of how we thought the class would look. And then we're going to talk about 2021, give our predictions for that class, and then just give a little peek into 2022. Before we do any of that, let's do a little bit of news here. Did you see uh, Michael Porter Jr.? Yeah, he's on Did fire. You know he's good at basketball. Uh, I had forgotten for a while, but he is uh, resurrected, and he's really good. Yeah, he scored like thirty and thirty-seven points the last two games they played. Career high points and turned around career high rebounds with fifteen. That's remarkable. Like I knew he could do it, but I'm not sure that I saw it happening this quickly. Still 22 years old. Yeah. So, obviously... He still doesn't look, like, like as explosive of a player. He looks like a different player in a, in a good way. Um, you know, he's not dunking on people or anything, but, I mean, then again, this is the NBA versus, like, he's yeah. playing at Tolton in high school. So, yeah. uh, it's obviously different, but... Um, and maybe he'll get to that point. I don't know if he's, like, 100% healthy or, or what, what he would describe himself as, but he looks good. I mean, he played like 43 minutes in that overtime yeah. win for the Nuggets. So yeah. he must be pe- must be feeling pretty good to have that kind of minutes. Yeah. Uh, another former Mizzou player, this time on the football side, Marcus Golden. Uh, his name comes up in our interview. Uh, he signed a one-year, $5.1 million deal with the New York Giants. As somebody uh, who I think he like led the NFL in sacks last year or two years ago, I kind of thought he might be able to get more money than that. I mean, that's a tremendous amount of money. Good for him, but I actually think that he deserved more than that. 
Well, yeah, the the one year deal is kind of interesting to me because, you know, sometimes people want guys obviously want that security sometimes of a multi year deal. Mm-hmm. So um, I saw this being described as a prove it deal. Okay. So a one year contract, you know, really ball out, and then maybe you'd be in line for a, a long term longer term deal, a little bit a little bit more. Needs a new agent. Maybe so. <laughs> maybe, maybe so. Um. Let's see here. You want to talk about uh, the NBA draft deadline has passed. So any college players that were thinking about returning had to make their decision. And uh, I'll just rattle off some names here from the SEC, some notable names that will be returning. Um, John Petty, Isaiah Joe, Keontae Johnson, Trendon Watford, Javante Smart, Devante Schuler. John Fulkerson, Eves Ponds. Yeah, that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of talent that's coming back to the SEC next year. Um, I, I would have to assume that a lot of that has to do with just the instability of everything going on in society right now. But uh, that what are you talking about? Oh, nothing. Okay, uh, just uh, a literal pandemic. So hmm. um, I it I don't know. The SEC is really stacked next year, and uh, you know Missouri's strength next year was uh experience but a lot of other programs are looking very experienced at this point in time so that looks like a a little less promising for missouri's chances to make a run but you never know arkansas getting isaiah joe back is huge that is huge and uh definitely not something we like to see uh from our rivals to the south uh keontae johnson i think i kind of always pegged him as a three four year guy uh mainly just because of his size it doesn't quite translate to the NBA, but he is a beast of a college mm-hmm. basketball player. So uh, him coming back to Florida is worrisome. Uh, LSU just seems like they're going to be sticking around. Same with Tennessee. I don't really see them falling off too much, especially with the recu- recruiting uh, wins both of those programs have had in recent years. Uh, Tennessee, I, I, I mean, they're almost identical as far as how they've, you know, kind of built built themselves up mm-hmm. into the upper echelon of the sec and they just yeah rick keep it rolling been really good there hey but look at that missouri 2020 recruiting class though let's talk about that uh <laughs> we'll get on, we'll move right along into uh the topic of the show which is missouri's uh recruiting so a year ago two years ago we talked about the 2019 class we correctly predicted that trey jackson and mario mckinney would end up as missouri tigers we I thought that maybe Rocket Watts, I went out on a limb and said that you predicted that they would land EJ Liddell. Uh, your prediction was a little bit closer than mine, but we both ended up just getting two out of three. Last year, um, our predictions were not so good. Uh, did we feel like we had to just make a prediction? Like, did we, did, did we feel like we had to predict somebody to Mizzou? I don't know because when well, I when if I really go thought back and about listen it, to it, there's one guy here that we felt really good about coming to Missouri, and that was Cam Fletcher. We both predicted that he would be a Missouri Tiger, and we talked about him visiting Kentucky like the week that we were talking about it. He was visiting Kentucky, and we said if he comes out of that visit, we thought there was a chance that they would pressure him into committing on that trip. We said if he makes it out of that trip without committing then I feel pretty good about him coming to Missouri. So we both predicted him to Missouri. We both were We're pretty, (laughs) we were both wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And that one still is a little bit of a head scratcher for me. Um, Just, just doesn't seem like the best fit, especially when you look at all the players Kentucky is bringing in around him in the 2020 class. I wish him nothing but success. But just looking at the situation there, it just doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's set up for him to be successful. I will not dispute that. Then we talked about Caleb Love. Um, we both said that he would not end up at Missouri. You correctly predicted he would go to North Carolina. I thought maybe he'd end up at Virginia. I kind of just wanted to not say the exact same thing as you. Um, yeah, and he went to North Carolina. So, uh, both he and Josh Christopher, I think, 
were closer to coming to Mizzou than we thought they would be mm-hmm. when we recorded the episode. So we were both pretty down on that, although I did say that I thought Missouri would land Josh Christopher. You thought he would go to Kentucky, and he ended up at Arizona State. So those were the big three. We thought, you know, they got, we, we specifically said they have to get one of these guys to maintain the momentum uh, that Conzo has had, or any kind of momentum, and they were 0 for 3. Yeah, I would say the Caleb Love recruitment ended up being much closer for Missouri than I ever would have imagined it being. I, I was just, I remember on last year's episode, we were listening to it a little bit earlier. I was going to just be happy if they made it his top five or top six. Um, and I thought even at that point, that might just be kind of a courtesy thing. But I genuinely think that Caleb Love considered Missouri all the way to the end. And I think it was down to them in, in North Carolina. And there was a point in time where, you know, if he would have committed to Missouri, that I wouldn't have completely shocked me. That's, mm-hmm. I think, how close it got at the end of his recruitment. Um, just another classic heartbreaker story for us. <laughs> yeah. But I think he will be fantastic in North Carolina. He, he was, he's an incredible player, so well, well-rounded, has every, uh, every tool in the toolbox that you could possibly want in a basketball player. And North Carolina will have no issue putting players around him to be incredibly successful. Yeah, and I feel like playing time, you know, playing time's not always something that you can give at a school like mm-hmm. that. But I really think that that is a possibility that he starts at North Carolina this year. Yeah, I think a completely different situation for him there than Cam Fletcher at Kentucky. Oh, 100%. And I would not be surprised at all to see Caleb Love starting on a Final Four team. Yep. At North Carolina. Now let's talk about Josh Christopher. This was maybe the biggest heartbreak for me um, because I, I don't know. I just thought maybe the family tie, you know, and Nicodemus just always talking up Conzo Martin to Josh's dad and stuff like that. I thought maybe that would be enough to bring it home. Um, Michigan came on strong. We both completely discounted Michigan. Uh, they kind of came on. out of nowhere, yeah. yeah. And so they came, yeah, like you said, came out of nowhere and were a big player there at the end. But then he kind of surprised everybody and ended up at ended up choosing Arizona State to yeah. play with his brother. Yeah, I feel like some of those West Coast schools were always kind of there, like Arizona State, UCLA. But I'm not sure that I ever really gave them much of a shot. I kind of thought it would be Mizzou or, or, or Michigan. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a little bit surprising. His recruitment was wild too, man. It was long. I mean, he just he just committed not that long ago. It was like a few months ago. So, I don't yeah. know. That was a roller coaster. Yeah, we just talked about that not too long ago. Uh, you also thought that maybe Davion Bradford could end up at Missouri. Um, we tossed around Luke Kasubke, um, but they both ended up at Kansas State. I actually think that it's possible Missouri could have gotten Davion Bradford if they really wanted him. There were some rumors that um, – Missouri just liked uh, Jordan Wilmore better and kind of took him over Davian Bradford. That uh, it's probably wouldn't have been my choice necessarily, but um, you never know. And that story may not be true at all. Um, Jordan Wilmore might have been Plan B for Davian Bradford. I don't know, but and then um, I think uh, Kasubke was just recruited over. I mean, yeah, that he was definitely a backup option uh, for some of these other wings and guards, and um, he just couldn't really wait on all these other guys especially like josh christopher to make his decision so late he had to find a landing spot and i think kansas state will be a really good spot for him Mm -hmm. so uh yeah we end up with a one-man class uh uh, including the one and only jordan wilmore and so he'll be i think relied upon in some to some extent to kind of be the backup for tillman kind of maybe take on some of those minutes that reed nico was um, was providing and uh, I don't know maybe we'll see more Mitchell Smith at the five or just like smaller lineups and stuff like that but if they need some depth at the five Jordan Wilmore's the guy so they're gonna have to just throw him right in there I think I think you're probably right and ideally we're not in a situation where we have to rely on a guy that to me seems clearly like a developmental prospect um, I mean he's literally what seven three yeah kind of a two-star recruit you know he's not super highly ranked um not really putting up huge numbers or anything at, at the high school level so it's not ideal that we should have to rely on him to come in and contribute but that's just kind of the spot we've been in for the last five years is we just kind of have 
relied on their freshmen and the sophomores to to carry the team a little bit yeah so uh missouri also added transfers in drew bugs and ed chang so um that's something that we're probably gonna keep seeing for the next few years is a combination of high school traditional high school recruits as well as transfers making up the classes um so with that being said let's move on to the class of 2021 and something that's unique this year is we already have a commitment on the board in Springfield's own Anton Brookshire. So this is the first time we've had a, an official commitment to Missouri at this time of year when we uh, kind of preview the what we think the, cra- the class will look like. So that's different, um, but it's good that we have somebody on board to fill one of five remaining scholarships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely exciting. I, I, we've got a pretty nice list of guys here. Um, of guys that Missouri's going after right now, some that I think they've got a pretty good shot at, others probably not. But you know, Anton is really up there with some of the more exciting players on this list that I think we have today. Yeah, the list, the list today is a little bit different than the last two years. Yeah, um, there's not really any headline grabbing guys. Yeah, and we are very much looking at a class of two to four high school, traditional high school recruits. And then a hand, uh, not a handful, but two or three um, transfers, I mm-hmm. think, making up the new additions to Missouri basketball next year. Um, but yeah, n- the marquee names just aren't there. I mm-hmm. mean, Missouri offered guys like Chet Holmgren, Patrick Baldwin, um, Peyton Watson, who just committed to UCLA. They offered those kind of guys. It just wasn't happening. Um, Kennedy Chandler a handful of Michigan guys that either committed to an in-state school or has already have already trimmed Missouri from their list. So we're left with maybe some under-recruited guys, some developmental guys, and uh, even some of these, I think, will pick schools of potentially a higher caliber than Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you want to begin? You want to, want to just go down through the list and... Yeah. Talk about some of the, the ones we have our eyes on. Yeah, we, we kind of talked about some names before the show, and we can kind of just run down in the order that we that we uh, talked about them. But the first one we talked about was uh, Yaya Kita, and he's at uh, Dismet. He's a 6'9 power forward. And there's a little bit of – I think we're a little bit unsure if he actually has a Missouri offer. I, I'm pretty sure that that was reported at one time, but he's not listed on 24-7 as having, as having an offer. So it seems like a little bit of inconsistency across the board on whether or not that, that offer is really there. Yeah. Um, a guy I think that Missouri should want to have as a part of this class. Um, a li- you know, all these guys, there's no, like, just day one contributors, I think. Even the best players on this list – are guys that aren't going to play a whole lot as underclassmen, uh, whether they have some bulking up to do or just some skills to refine. And Yaya Kita, I think, fits that description where he just um, is a really good athlete, a little bit raw, needs to you know, spend some time just in a high-level basketball environment. And I think he will get a lot more of that this upcoming season at Dismet. But then... Uh, a couple years in a college program and then i think he would be ready to contribute meaningful minutes in you know conference play as a junior or senior mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah he's definitely had some like electrifying highlights some big dunks and stuff like that um i think we're going to try and make some predictions on some of these guys as something to kind of look back look back on in the future so honestly I- i'm fairly low on missouri's recruiting right now <laughs> there's just not uh, and maybe it's just the fact that there's a, some radio silence and we don't really know what's going on um, that that plays into it. But I'm not super excited about about things going on right now. But just the momentum's not there. Exactly. So I'm going to say Yaya Kita is plan B or plan C for some of the guys uh, maybe farther down the list. But um, Missouri misses on a couple of those guys and he ends up at Missouri. I think that's a very valid prediction. Um Man, it's just so hard to really have a good grip on on what the staff is thinking and it is um, that sort of thing. I, I have to go along with what you're saying right now. Um, let me jump right back to that after we talk about the next guy on my list, David Joplin. Um, he is a guy that I think is one of the higher 
priorities for Missouri in this class, but one that I honestly think they're going to miss on. Uh, there's been some rumblings lately, some predictions made that he's going to end up at Texas, and um, I can't really disagree with any of that assessment. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is one of those guys that Missouri will miss on that will lead them back to Yaya Kita as mm-hmm. being a, a post presence that they can rely on um, in that class. Yeah, there were some rumblings that he would end up at Texas as well as potentially commit pretty soon, like maybe even the next couple of days. Uh, but I think that there may be uh, some, they might be rethinking that a little bit. I think that they, he's probably uh, pumped the brakes on that a little bit. I don't know if, I don't know what that means for his recruitment with Texas or, or with anyone else, but I have no reason to believe that he will end up not going to Texas because that seems to be the lean at the moment. Yeah, uh, he's from Wisconsin. He's a six-seven forward, um, but he's built more like a like a big than a uh, wing player, I would say. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I'm gonna skip around just a little bit. Uh, a guy that we've talked about a couple times on this podcast is Zach Hicks. Um, his family has been very vocal um, in showing their support for his recruitment from Missouri. Um, so that's always good to have family on board. Uh, he's from New Jersey. He is a six, seven forward. And then, uh, with it, with him, we're looking at more of like a wing player than a post player. Uh, he's got an offer list. That's really short as of right now. Missouri's really the only power five team that has offered him still according to 24 seven other offers include Drexel, LaSalle, Richmond, Siena. Um, man, it's just, there's just a slew of forwards that mm-hmm. I just it's so hard to tell where the staff is at with these guys because he's not even ranked right. nationally by 24-7 sports yeah there I think there was uh, we heard that he wanted to wait a little while to make a commitment just understandably because he's not really getting get his profile up yeah he's bit. not no one's watching him play right now so he I think he wanted to see if he could hold out a little bit longer and get some bigger offers um, that could that could be true. That also could be maybe because he's not first priority with Mizzou. He, Mizzou might not take a commitment from him at the moment. Uh, those things might both be true. But I ultimately think Zach Hicks will end up at Missouri um, at some point or another. It might be uh, winter or even next spring, but I think that he will eventually um, commit to Missouri. Man, I just don't know if I'm quite ready to make a prediction here. I gotta, I gotta think through a couple of these other options first. Um, let's move on to a guy that we know plenty about, uh, Tamar Bates. Uh, Tamar Bates uh, from the Kansas City area. He is uh, going to be at IMG Academy in Florida for his senior season of basketball. Very impressive offer list including Alabama, Colorado, Kansas, Iowa State, Kansas State, Northwestern, Oklahoma, Oregon, Virginia Tech, Wichita State, and of course Missouri. Man, I just the Tamar Bates is the exact kind of player that I think Conzo needs to be bringing in one or two like him each recruiting class, just like that top 100 top 125 type player mm-hmm. um, who is just known as a shot maker. Mm-hmm. You gotta be able to inject some offense or just some potential for offense into the recruiting classes. Yeah, and I think that's something that obviously we're not getting that in Jordan Wilmore. He he could be, you know, a fantastic player, but we're not injecting any offense into the program by bringing him in. Now maybe he could be a productive offensive player later, but 100. We're not going to see that right away. I agree with you. Um, Tamar Bates, I just have a really hard time seeing him go anywhere other than Kansas at this point. And I hope our listeners don't take this the wrong way because I hate Kansas with everything within my soul, but I'm really kind of envious of Bill Self's recruiting strategy, man. Like he just, he goes out and gets those, the kind of players that I'd love to see us get. Um, that's that would be realistic. Kind of those, those, uh, three and four year players those really talented guys who stick around and play forever and they might not be a great fit to you know be a one and done and just the guys that make great college programs and seems like recently whenever uh 
maybe Kansas had been a little bit – maybe they knew that they were uh, being watched a little bit. They started changing their strategy a little bit because they were going for the the top of the top recruits for a little while there. Um, but it seems like the last few years they've really kind of changed their strategy a little bit and gone for those kind of four-star players that will stick around for a while. And uh, it's making life difficult on the other programs that are trying to make a living off those players. Yeah, who's the who's the the kid that's at Kansas right now that was from Missouri? That, uh, I um, I know who exactly you're talking about, but he kind of has a tough name to pronounce. Yeah, um, and I don't know that I would want to attempt it, especially <laughs> without looking at it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, he I think was from I, I can't remember what town in Missouri he was from, but. Um, Conzo just didn't recruit him. And he's having an incredible career at yeah, Kansas right now. And he is, you know, on some NBA draft big boards yeah. right now after two, maybe three years at Kansas. So, yeah, those are the type of players that, um, man, it just hurts so much when you under-recruit a guy. You know, we saw it during the Kim Anderson era, but there was just no desire for these guys to come play for him. Mm-hmm. But when you have a coach who can be successful at this program and he's just missing on a few guys in the home state just not really recruiting them at all that's just completely demoralizing for the fan base a fan Mm -hmm. a fan base like our listeners who are going to be up on you know which guys we should be going after um i mean we we didn't really talk about we didn't really add Jordan Nesbitt to our list for that reason. He's well, was, not being recruited by Missouri. Exactly. I was going to throw that in there, actually. So since we're talking about it, what what do you think is going to happen with Jordan Nesbitt's recruitment? He's been offered by under, everybody under the sun except for Mizzou. I think he's going to go to like a an, an Iowa mm-hmm. or a I was thinking, Mississippi State or something like that. Yeah, something regional, like a maybe a Creighton or something like that. I think he has a Creighton offer. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to, my prediction is he will go to a program with a better average Ken Palm rating than Missouri during the time that Conzo Martin has been the coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just saw a recruit, you know, a marquee recruit in Trey Jackson go transfer to Seton Hall, who is a top 50 program. And Missouri has not been close to that really outside of Conzo Martin's first season. I mean, they've been kind of borderline and had some preseason expectations in that ballpark multiple times now, but uh, the end of the season results just haven't, haven't really shown that. So yeah, I think Jordan Nesbitt is going to go to a program that if you just look at numbers in the last five years or so, you could objectively say is currently a better program than Missouri. I agree. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm going to predict that Tamar Bates ends up at, at Kansas as well. Now let's talk about a big man by the name of Logan Landers. Logan Landers is a 6'10 center from Wisconsin. He has offers from Houston, Iowa, Kansas, Kansas State, and Miami, among others. Um. I'll be honest with you, I don't know much about Logan Landers. I've watched a couple videos on him. He is just a big guy who (laughs) he knows how to use his body at a young age where he can just kind of take over games. Yeah, he's very mobile. Yeah, and, uh, you know, just seems like he possesses the skill to use his size Mm -hmm. to do whatever he wants to do on the basketball court. Yeah, he can shoot too. Um Honestly, I am shocked he doesn't have a Wisconsin offer yet, but I think he will get that eventually. I mean, he just seems like a prototypical Wisconsin big man who can who can move, who can shoot. I, I just don't see how he doesn't end up at Wisconsin. He just seems like he was born to to go to college there. Um, if not, I still, you know, I, I, I don't know that Missouri has a shot at him, but um, I actually feel like I, I've written other players off um, at this point, um, but I, I still feel like he's he's realistic. And he would he would truly potentially be a a, a game changer if Missouri was able to land him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I have to agree with you on Wisconsin, especially considering they're not really in on anybody else in state. Mm-hmm. I mean, Patrick Baldwin is from Wisconsin. He's not going to Wisconsin. Most likely, uh, he's going to be be at Duke. I would say. 
Um, but yeah, I, th I think that Wisconsin prediction is pretty spot on. Um, let me look something up here. Uh, next player on my list is Sean Duru Gordon. Uh, we talked about him when he got a Mizzou offer. Um, he has actually an interesting offer list, in my opinion. It uh, he he started to come on a little bit as of as of late with offers from Arizona State, Auburn, Georgia, uh, Penn State, Seton Hall, and then of course Missouri. Uh, he is, uh, believe it or not, a six-seven forward. We talk about the six-seven forwards all the time uh, because that's what uh, Missouri's been going after, and I think uh, for for good reason. You're talking about guys that could maybe defend the two, the three, or the four in college. Yeah, um, and uh, he, he's got some pretty good size to him. He's ranked 235th in the nation and fifth highest ranked ranked player in the state of New York. Yeah, he was definitely a little bit more under the radar, I think, when Missouri offered him. I think they got to him fairly early. A lot of those schools you listed, I think, have, have been pretty recently. But mm -hmm. um, at the time, I, I really felt like, you know, Missouri might be onto something here. They might be uh, kind of getting in on a, on a guy before he blows up. Um, I don't – I really don't have a feel for where they stand with him. But, I, I you know, I really like his game. He's, he's more – uh, like a wing, the more so than a big man, kind of like the opposite of, of someone we talked about previously, uh, David Joplin, I think. But mm -hmm. we—he's uh, more kind of a kind of a ball handler, and he can play on the outside. I don't really envision envision him you know, playing down low very much, but he's certainly an interesting prospect. And yeah, uh, from the Northeast, I think you, um, New York, you said. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I but mean, not really like a strong new york or northeast presence in his offer list yeah maybe like seton hall and penn yeah. state but that was really it yep yeah, yep yeah. um I, I don't even think i can make a prediction for him honestly i just no. is too early uh one that i am absolutely ready to make a prediction for is caleb brown <laughs> he is the younger brother of kobe brown and we know how much the staff especially Conzo martin loves kobe brown Loves what he what he got from him his freshman year. Uh, Kobe Brown started some games, played meaningful minutes, and uh, his little brother is a six six guard. Uh, handles the ball really well. He can shoot okay. He is gonna he would be considered a, a reach I think if it weren't for the family connection. Um, but if Kobe can convince him that he needs to come to Missouri and chill out on the bench for a little while and develop. Um, he's just got the size, his size matched with his skill is just not something you get from every high school recruit. Mm -hmm. So maybe just, yeah, maybe a little bit of a de developmental prospect. Um, but at the same time, I could see him really, if he puts together a nice senior season um, in high school, I think he could see some more big time offers roll in. Yeah, I think so. And I, I, I think that he will end up at Missouri. It seems like the Browns have a, a great relationship with Conzo. Uh, you know, Kobe got a, a lot of playing time his freshman year. I have no reason to believe that's going to change in the future. Um, it seems like that that's just a good connection uh, between Conzo and in the Brown family. Um, I think Caleb will will end up there. He does have a few other Power Five offers in Minnesota, Ole Miss, and Penn State as well as Virginia Tech. Penn State in on a lot of the same players as Missouri currently. <laughs> uh, okay, let's see here. So did I miss anybody that we really want to spotlight here? Oh, I'd like to throw a wrench in uh, the list. Let's hear it. I'd like to add a Juco player that was offered by Missouri today. Oh, okay. And we didn't even talk about this player before because <laughs> literally you were out of the room getting water before the show started, and I saw this on Twitter. Missouri has offered Chris Payton, who is – from Indian Hills Juco, six seven forward. Oh, another <laughs> one. What's his last name? Chris Payton. Uh, that's his full name. Uh, P A Y T O N. And I don't know anything about him. That's uh, literally, I literally just read that on a tweet. Let's see here. He, well, I hate to break it to you, Kyle. <laughs> and I, I probably shouldn't say this because maybe Conzo will rescind his offer. He's listed on the um, Indian Hills website as being 6'6". That 
is unfortunate. He's originally from Bloomington, Illinois, and it looks like he averaged 11.5 points per game at Indian Hills last year. Underwhelming stats. That uh, is on brand. Yep. Well, uh, before we talk too much about uh, JUCO uh, transfers or traditional transfers or anything like that, let's uh, let's let's take one quick look over the high school recruits one more time. So we already have Anton Brookshire on board. I think you and I agree on Caleb Love or Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Caleb. We, Brown. we both agree Caleb Love is going to North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we both agree on Caleb Brown, and I will echo your thoughts on Yaya Kita. So there's three, and you like Zach Hicks to Mizzou. I do. So with your uh, scenario there, we got four incoming freshmen, and with the departure of Axel Okongo, I think that still leaves two open scholarships. So um, how would you want to see those last two filled? It would be completely unreasonable, I think, to even add a fifth high sc- traditional high school recruit, let alone a sixth. Yeah, I think I would like to see probably two, like a traditional transfer and probably a grad transfer would probably be how I'd like to see that uh, dispersed. Um, you know, if there, if sometimes that there can be JUCO transfers that work and that makes sense, I typically feel like juco players don't make a huge impact and it just kind of depends um you know as people we live in springfield we go to missouri state games i think juco players can definitely make a a difference on missouri value level but uh you don't typically hear about a lot of juco players making a big difference uh, at the power five level but Um, we do see plenty of grad transfers come in absolutely and really make a huge difference absolutely i i think that would that excites me more is uh other transfers from the d1 level yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. I, I'm, I just can't really predict anything with Zach Hicks. I mean, the, the relationship seems really strong. I just am afraid that we may be looking at something similar to a uh, Lucas Subke situation, where Missouri, you know, in this situation, I don't know who they're holding out for exactly, but you know, maybe there's a few guys that Missouri is really waiting on. And uh, Zach Hicks feels like he just, once he gets a few more of those offers rolling in, if Missouri's not ready to take him, he's going to have to just find a landing spot. That's fair. So I'm kind of scared of that situation there. So I'm just going to stick with Brookshire, Keita, and Caleb Brown. And then I wouldn't mind seeing a traditional transfer that maybe uh, sits one and plays two, you know, uh, from hopefully from another Power 5 conference. Um, and then a grad transfer as well. It's it's so impossible to predict or project transfers mm-hmm. into the uh, yeah into the re- recruiting classes. There is, but there's always so many names out there that seem to make sense at the time. Yeah. So there there will be people we out there. We were just talking that... about uh, a couple months ago, Blake Blake Henson, yeah. who uh, we thought was going to maybe go to Missouri originally out of high school and transferred from Ole Miss to Iowa State. Mm-hmm. There's so many talented guys out there that just the first time around sometimes don't make the right choice and maybe they're not in a great situation. Maybe, I mean, there can be so many reasons that go into that, but they're just not in as good of a situation as they would like to be. And, you know, they kind of can uh, can come back on a second chance. And, I mean, there's just, there's hundreds of names out there. So that that option is always attractive to me, I think, if there's, uh, if there's names out there that, that fit and make sense. I agree with you. Uh, so I'm going with Brookshire, Keita, and Caleb Brown. You're adding Zach Hicks as our official predictions for the high schoolers that will be joining the class of 2021 from Missouri. We'll have to wait a long time to see if uh, we're completely correct. Or, you know, this is one of those classes where I could see four scholarships going to guys that we haven't even talked about. I was about. just about to say that. We will probably be listening to this a year from now, looking at our predictions and it'll be guys that we didn't even mention on this episode yeah. because we haven't heard of them. <laughs> and I that's mean, probably not going to be a good thing if no. that is the case. It's just crazy how different this year is from the previous two. Yeah. I mean, 2019, we knew who the guys were. And outside of 
um, Tamar Bates, we just, we don't know who, we didn't know that Missouri was targeting Anton Brookshire until like a month before he committed. Yeah. If that. Yeah, you know there was communication going on before uh, the official offer, because I, I just don't think he would have committed a day later if, if they hadn't already built a relationship of some sort. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, okay, so moving on just real quick to 2022. I know it feels like a long time from now, but just a few people to keep an eye on. Um, if you want your marquee guy who is somewhat regional and would make a huge impact day one, you're looking at Mark Mitchell, Kansas City area, uh, but he's on the Kansas side and he goes to a school called Bishop Miege. That's it. And he is currently the number 14 player in the country, number one in the state of Kansas. It's going to be really hard to keep him from going to KU. Um, and he's got all the offers that you would expect from a five-star top 15 player in the country. But I think uh, Mizzou will at least kick the tires on that, see if they, there's any mutual interest. They tend to do that for those players that they would never have a chance at. Yep. Uh, <laughs> moving on to players that they might have a chance at. We have Taurus Reed from Chaminade. We talked a little bit about him before. He is a 6'10", and he's really talented. Yeah, he's he's probably number one on my wish list for 22 class. Yeah. Um, Then we have the entire CBC basketball team, just about. Uh, Chandler Jackson and Larry Hughes Jr. are guards. Mikhail Abdul-Hamid is a forward, and they're all going to be contributors at some point somewhere at the D1 level how it shakes out exactly between the three of them we'll have to wait and see you know if we're talking about mid-major guys or high major guys there and where mizzou fits in um, i'm at the point now where uh, i don't even oh i almost said i'm at the point now where i just want to throw offers at all the in-state guys and be on them from day one and hope that they end up being good i i mean which is and that I don't, I'm cringing so hard at me saying that because that's like taking me back to a time. I don't, I don't want to think about Kyle. <laughs> I don't want to think about a time where we were just giving offers to guys and then hoping they would be good basketball players. Well, that's yeah. Um, are you sure we're out of that time period? Um, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Um, I was going to CBC say players. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kanto has made it clear, at least I feel like my perception, that the in-state, like the, the the geography of these players doesn't mean a whole lot to him. You know, he, he clearly, I mean, we've talked about Jordan Nesbitt. What, that's, what, that's what it is. Um, uh, the guy that lives here in Springfield, his name escapes me at the moment. Oh, yeah. Uh, Amin Muhammad. Uh, Amin Muhammad. Probably not coming here, but there's been like literally nothing that we know of uh, between those two parties. We have to assume that they said uh, Mizzou, and he said no, and they said okay. Which is fine, and, and you just move on. And, you know, but it just doesn't really seem like uh, you, you live in Missouri and you're good, so we're going to recruit you. That, that doesn't necessarily seem to be uh, a, something he's considering. And I know it's completely different from football. It's it is. Yeah, I shouldn't be really comparing them at all. You I don't. You don't have many spots in a basketball team. You got to really go after the guys that you really, really feel strongly about. But when I see the presence that the football team has in recruiting in the state of Missouri right now, it just, I just wish, I don't know. I wish that there was some crossover there. Yeah. With the basketball team, it just, it makes it so much easier to. I don't even know. It just it gets everybody on board in such a way that you just don't have when it's just silence from the staff and then just you know signing a guy out of nowhere. I agree. I mean, Eli Drinkwitz walks in you know a, a a gym or a high school football arena or something like that. A high school football arena. Have you ever heard that one? <laughs> high school football field. You know, a stadium or something. He walks into a crowd. You know. He kind of commands the room a little bit. You know, people kind of turn heads. Uh, Kanto Martin, I think, had that power at one point, but, you know, he walks into a high school gym now. It's kind of like, there, you know, whatever, he's there. Um, I, I mean, I'm kind of putting you on the spot. We didn't really plan this, but, I mean, like, what has happened? Like, what what has happened between, you know, two, three years ago? And, and, and listening to, you know, some of our prior episodes, you know, you know, we were saying things like, I feel like we can get any player in the state, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like Kanto Martin is going to, 
you know, put us in a position to get get these in-state guys, you know, get the kind of recruit that we haven't had in a while. And like, what is it just like the, is it just the silence? Is it his, his personality or demeanor that, you know, feels like kind of puts us at a, at a disadvantage? Like, what do you think? I honestly don't think it's any of that. I think that we needed to see the marquee players in that first in those first in that first recruiting class i'm talking about michael porter jr jonte porter jeremiah tillman we needed those three guys in particular to be what missouri signed up for when they recruit when they brought them on campus and for all sorts of reasons that it didn't happen um obviously we know what happened with michael and jonte and there's nothing the staff can do about that. You're always going to have injuries. Mm-hmm. But for the injuries that they had to be so debilitating to the team, when you have the player that you're building your team around, at least building the offense around, two years in a row go down for the for the entire season, it's so hard to come back from that. And what we've seen injury-wise and just how that first class was just like, you know, it gave us Mizzou gold tinted glasses for the next 18 months. Shocker. Yeah. And it's so, when you see that recruiting class, you're going to be thinking, wow, this is where something is changing, has changed, and is headed in the right direction. And that was the case. But you have to have the results in the win-loss columns for it to actually be momentum. Yeah, we, we've kind of talked a little bit about Conzo Martin's personality. You know, obviously he's an incredibly intelligent, calm, collected guy and um, seems like somebody that, you know, anybody would want as a mentor or as a leader in their life. And, and we hear that over and over again we from do. the players that he's, be, that he's recruiting. And his press conferences, you know, are, are always uh, just sharing wisdom, you know. Yeah. Uh, but you know, but you have to think if you know maybe there that doesn't appeal to uh, a younger a younger guy. Maybe there it's just like you know we're a little bit older and you know we can really respect that, and some of the you know, people in the media really respect that. But maybe is we, that we're, something that we're clashes? relating to the wisdom in his words a little bit more than a high schooler, probably. Yeah, yeah, it, I'm with you. Is is it? It's possible maybe that that not clashes, but just isn't as interesting maybe to. Um, a, a younger player and you know I, I think of um, coach Drinkwitz you know he he has quite a bit of energy um, charisma and you know maybe that maybe that's exciting to players I don't know I, I have to agree with you that I, I think on-court performance um, has a lot to do with it um, I mean think about think about the players we can really look back on the last two classes and say man those are misses that hurt and we were close on all of them DJ Liddell, Caleb Love, Cam Fletcher, Josh Christopher. Three of those just, if everything was even, they just went to the vastly superior program. Josh Christopher going to Arizona State, I still think current currently, today, mm-hmm. better program than Missouri. Mm-hmm. And he gets to play with his brother. <laughs> we can talk, I can talk about maybe uh, Missouri should have, sent an offer uh, out to Josh's brother a long, long time ago. And uh, maybe that would have made all the difference in the world there. But you if can, everything you else... You can kind of defend why Missouri's missed on some of these guys. Yeah, and I can totally understand a player being like, yeah, Conzo's awesome. Like, mm-hmm. my, my family loves him. I would love to learn from him, learn how to play basketball, learn how to be a man. But North Carolina, yeah, Ohio State, Kentucky. It's true. That's a good point. And... Uh, I think that's why this recruiting class, these guys we just talked about, it's really big for for Conzo's future, and he has got to land some of these players that they really want. So, like, he's got to find some difference makers in this class because he doesn't have that excuse to lean on. If 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 that's what happens, if he misses on all these guys, he he can't say, well, you know, it's tough to recruit against North Carolina because none of these guys right. are going to North Carolina. Right. So I mean, that's a good point, and uh, we'll I think we'll see. Um, Conzo Martin really get tested in this recruiting class and and maybe we'll we'll be able to kind of 
make a better conclusion about just his recruiting journey in general at Missouri after after these guys have all committed somewhere. Mm, that's a good that's a good way to end that segment. I have to say. <laughs> yep, I agree with everything you said there. We didn't talk about Javon Porter though. Oh yeah, uh, we got carried away. His only offer, according to twenty four seven Sports, is Missouri. I actually didn't even know he had ranked one seventy four in the country for a class of twenty twenty two. He's uh, a couple of brothers that have played basketball. Yeah, yeah. We just, I just mentioned them about thirty seconds ago. I thought uh, I thought Jonte was going to get some playing time potentially for the Grizzlies, but and also uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. just went down with an ACL tear, which is terrible news for him. But I actually thought that it might be. Uh, might mean playing time for for Jonte, yeah, but he still minutes, yeah he still hasn't played uh, any since that injury either. So, but we'll see. Long season, not really long season. They have like a few games <laughs> left. <laughs> they don't have much time left. Kyle, Kyle says long season, and there's literally what, four games what's left the, in the season. What's the other thing I say all the time? It's still a long way to go, or something yeah. like that. I always love to say that. Well, it's still a long way to go in uh, the season that is. Jonte's ability to play basketball in his career so yeah yeah he'll have he'll have time i think to earn some minutes at some point well i think that was a good dissection of uh, mizzou basketball recruiting as it stands here on august 6th 2020 we, we did our best <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean there's some names on here that you're just like who is somebody this on this list surely is going to end up at missouri we just don't know who and we don't know when it, at least we're going to get Anton Brookshire, I think, probably. I surely hope so. <laughs> that better be the case. You better not <laughs> jinx it, buddy. All right, Kyle, you want to send us out of here? Oh, I'd certainly like to try. Um, all right, guys, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Mizzou Sports Pod, and we, you can email us at MizzouSportsPod at gmail.com. Mm, that won't work. It'd have to be MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. That'll also work. No, Not it's the only also. one that'll work. <laughs> that will also work. <laughs> and uh, we're also on YouTube. We have like a bunch of people trying to email us. They're like, MizzouSportsPod at gmail.com. I swear to God, this is it. <laughs> Kyle says it every episode. <laughs> uh, check us out on YouTube if you want to see the video version of this. A little bit more entertaining. Uh, if you just want to turn it on and mute it and so we can get some watch time, we would appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and throw us a subscription. Uh, other than that, we will... Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week.